The new Minnesota Lottery Vikings Scratch Game is the official scratch game of the Minnesota Vikings. The official top prize is $100,000. Season tickets, an away game trip for four, and more are officially the second chance prizes. Learn more on our website, which you can't see because this is officially a radio ad. It's mnlottery.com. Remember, you must be officially 18 or older to play the official scratch game of the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota Lottery. I'm in. We know what the major question is the day after the Vikings lose the way they did on Sunday against Tampa Bay, and that's who's to blame. We'll get right to that here on the Viking Update Show with John Krasinski and Jim Suhan. He's John Krasinski from The Athletic. I'm Jim Suhan from The Star Tribune. Brandon Morton is our producer, as he has been for so many years now. We appreciate you listening to TalkNorth.com. If you like this show or any show at the network, please subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. Brought to you by the Minnesota State Lottery. We're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studio. Thanks to Aquarius. Thanks to TSR Injury Law, 612-TSR-TIME. And thank you to Star Bank. Uh, John, you want to go first or should I? Um, Go first because my answer is more of like, let's blame everyone. <laughs> so okay, well, that's, that's a good and that's that's a yeah. good answer. I'm going to be a little more specific here. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to blame the offensive line and the general manager. I thought that the uh, thing, what showed up yesterday, uh, was they got almost no help from the 2022 draft. Uh, scene wasn't a factor except when he drew a penalty. Booth wasn't on the field much, if, if at all. Ingram forced a f- Ingram forced more fumbles than the Vikings defense yesterday. Hmm. Uh, you know, Caleb Evans is, looks like a nice player. I'll give them that. Uh, Brian Asmois had did not play much at all. Ivan Pace played more than he did. They got almost nothing out of that game from the 2022 draft. That's a problem. The offensive interior of the offensive line once again showed up as a problem against a physical front. And you know, just and if you want to go big picture team, uh, they this team is built to beat you. 30 to 20, 32 to 18, 27 to 23. This team is built to have the defense slow you down enough that the offense can win the game. The offense wasn't good enough under those circumstances. When the defense allows one first down in the opponent's first six drives, you should be up 20 to three at that point, and the game should basically be over with. They let Tampa hang around, and I I give credit to Baker Mayfield. He at least had the gumption to make some plays down the stretch. Baker Mayfield basically did last year what the Vikings did. I mean, yesterday what the Vikings did last year, which was hang around and make a play at the end. Yeah, I would say this, um, because my biggest takeaway from the game was that this was not a case that we have seen before plenty of times where an underdog comes in and just is, is really sharp and executes at a high level, uh, is focused, is locked in, takes advantage of mistakes, and 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 wins that way. Because I didn't think the Bucks were very good yesterday. They weren't. You're right at all. Yeah. And so I think that the bigger concern for the Vikings is not even that they lost. It is more that, and you know, they lost to a team that is going to lose a lot of games that did not play very well, and so. Um, if I want to look at wh- the, the where to to spread it the most, I, I would put it. I would start offensively because I do think that this is a team 
even with some of the improvements that are expected and maybe some of the improvements that we saw defensively on Sunday against the Bucs, this is still a team that is going to be relied upon to score a lot and to win high-scoring games, as you said. I mean, you have Kirk Cousins, you have Justin Jefferson, you have Jordan Addison, you have uh, TJ Hawkinson. They're all in their second season under Kevin O'Connell uh, and in and, and his system. So the familiarity should be high. This, this offense has to execute at a high level. And we just did not see enough of that, nearly enough of that on Sunday. Maybe some of that had to do with Garrett Bradbury and Darisad being uh, in and out of the, the, the game with injuries, but still you just have to be better than what we saw. They were sloppy. There were always guys in cousins face uh, Cousins was a little off of the mark as well, and and so it once once the Bucks f- kind of figured out how to bracket Justin Jefferson a little bit more, so he couldn't just run wild and free. The Vikings really had no other answer offensively, and um, and it was it was just really ugly. No doubt about it. The other big story of the weekend, uh, really two terrible stories for this franchise. Number one is they lost a game. They really couldn't afford to lose to a team they absolutely should not have lost to. The other is they did not get the Justin Jefferson deal done. I'll admit it. I thought that they would get it done. And I thought they would get it done before week one. I thought it was all everything was set up. I thought the fact that Jefferson went through a full camp without a hold out or a hold in, that he was enthusiastic, that he was happy to be there. Uh, the fact that uh, the Vikings have admitted they absolutely need him and want him. Uh, I'm a little I'm a little concerned for the on for their sake that they did not get that deal done. Yeah, I, I wrote about it today at the Athletic, and um, it for me, I, I what I said and what I believe is, it's not time for panic. It's not time for dread. It's not time for despair on this because he is under contract for two more years. You do have a little bit of time, but the reaction should very well be, why not? You know, why didn't you get a deal done? Because. Um, my guess is, I don't know this for sure, but my guess is that Nick Bosa's contract really sort of changed the parameters of what Justin Jefferson needed to get um, to to kind of reset the market. And it was a bit of a shock to the system when Bosa signed what he signed. Okay, he did that, but you just have to sign Justin Jefferson. Like, the, there's there is no negotiation really in with a with with Justin Jefferson he is the most high profile non-quarterback in the entire league uh he is not just a really good receiver he is a face of the franchise face of the league type player and the price is only going up from here it's not going to go down so um it just for an organization that has a history of signing uh, their their core players to big deals, many of them on that week leading up to the regular season opener as a kind of a way of sort of trumpeting, um, you know, where the team is at and, and having something to celebrate. To me, that it didn't get done is just very curious. Like, um, I mean, it, it's really straightforward here with this one. He is a record-setting wide receiver and an incredibly marketable and um and and voice and face of of what you're going to be doing going forward and so now because you didn't do that you now you have uncertainty with your quarterback 
and with your best player overall going forward. And that's just not a, a good place for the Vikings to be in right now. Not only does he have a chance to drive the price up, he also has a chance now. And to me, this is the danger. Now he might start thinking, hmm, mm-hmm. what would it be like to play over there or over there or in that city or where my, you know, I mean, I, I really feel like he's been locked in as just being yes. wanting to be a great Viking. Now he might be thinking, hmm, I wonder, you know what? There's a great young quarterback in, in City X. Maybe it would be fun to go play with that guy. Oh, they might not bring back Kirk. I might have to work with a developing quarterback. Maybe it'd be better to go play in this city. It may, and and I, I do think, you know, you and I have had the conversation on the basketball show, the John Krasinski show, about the fact that, uh, you know, so many storylines about, oh, players have to play in the big markets and how bogus that is. Uh, I think it's really bogus in the NFL. We've seen the best player and the most popular players in the NFL play in Green Bay and Indianapolis and Tampa and all kinds of other you know markets that aren't even as big as the Twin Cities. But the danger is the player will start thinking that, oh, maybe I do want to play in New York. Maybe I do want to play in L.A. Maybe I do want to play with that player, uh, that quarterback. You don't want Justin Jefferson thinking about that stuff. And now he has. To, now he's going to be thinking about that whether he admits it or not. Yeah, and and I would I would kind of even just spin it a little bit differently, but along the same lines is that um, right now you do not know who is going to be the quarterback in twenty twenty four. You have no idea. Justin Jefferson has no idea, and so um, with that uncertainty, that kind of puts something in the back of his mind. And let's say coming off of a week one disappointment, what if this season does go poorly? What if you don't play as well? Uh, what if you're not as competitive? Even, you know, even looking at it as not a, not a situation of where I want to play in New York. I want to play in Los Angeles. I want to play in a big market. How about I just want to play for a really good team with a good quarterback? Yep. Like that's that's the danger to me of sort of playing games this way with it and and or 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 extending out the negotiation. Um, that's why I think you you work hard to get a deal done with your best player to make him happy, but also just to give you the long term security with him and. Um, the NFL seasons are long. Justin Jefferson said all the right things yesterday in the locker room about his mindset, not changing about, um, you know, wanting to, uh, to, so to just focus on the season, not letting it bother him. He did everything the right way in training camp. He practiced even amid the uncertainty. He didn't have any ear infection or bad back things crop up that kept him out of drills and things. It certainly was not anywhere near the um, rancor that Jonathan Taylor and the Colts are are currently going through and and have gone through. It's all been amicable so far, but that can all change in a long season. If he looks around at the end of the year and they stumble and, and just, it's just not, not as good then you can start to question a little bit about, is this the right place for me? I'm not saying it will happen, but the possibility is there. And with a player of Justin Jefferson's caliber, 
you do not want that possibility to ever even be a situation because you know what you have to pay him. Like you just that that part is set. You if you have to pay him a little more than Nick Bosa, that's what it is. And it's going to be that next year as well, especially if he puts up another 1,800 yards and 12 touchdowns. Like that's just, it's that part of it is not changing. So um, not I'm not getting this done. Doesn't have to be a disaster, but there is a small chance that it could become a disaster. And that's why there needs to be worry about it. Yep. All right, we always talk about the quarterback. Let's talk about the quarterback. I'll go first. I didn't think this loss was on Cousins. I also didn't think he played, you know, particularly great. Uh, you can question the the throw to Osborne, whether he should have made it. I think if he was going to make it, he had to put a little behind him because he was running into two safeties there. Uh, but I'm not really going to go heavy. I'm not really going to criticize that because I, you know, I think both of us have said over the years, we want the version of Kirk Cousins who gives his, his receivers a chance to make a play he was giving Osborne a chance to make a play there it, you can second guess say he should have checked out Addison maybe that was the right call but I'm not going to go heavy on that I thought he missed a couple of other throws I thought he had uh, Madison open right corner of the end zone I also thought that uh, Osborne was wide open on that play and he didn't see him and there was a comebacker I think to uh, Osborne where he threw high so it wasn't anything close to a perfect game but I thought that the way the game progressed the fact that he was getting hammered early on is what set up set the tone for this offensive performance. Yeah, he just he wasn't sharp. Um, he wasn't at his best, certainly at all. Um, and and so I, I'm certainly not going to sit here and say that you know this wasn't on him at at all. He did, yeah, he was a little bit off. The the, the throw to Osborne was a little bit off. Um, there just didn't seem to be quite the same rhythm with the offense in general. Um, but I think there's just, there was a confluence of factors. I think the, the offensive line was not very good. Uh, certainly, you know, Ed Ingram knocking the ball out of his hand wasn't great. They did not, they pick up the Antoine Winfield on the blitz, uh, at all. And he just blasted cousins and, and caused another fumble. Um, so it was just kind of a disjointed day offensively. And it, it seemed like cousins was a little disjointed as well. And, um, the one thing that kind of kept st- uh, sticking out to me, Jim, was that it seemed like a, on a lot of the designed rollouts, um, they didn't fool anyone on Tampa. And so there were a few times where he rolled out and he had time to throw and maybe he was throwing it a little bit late, trying to give someone time to to get open. But a lot of times he's rolling out and there was one or two Tampa Bay Buccaneer defenders right in his face immediately. And so that just tells me that the timing of the offense was off all day and and it just never seemed to click in. I mean, certainly they rolled up a bunch of yards in the first half, but couldn't get to the end zone Um, in the second half. They only had three possessions and didn't do a darn thing with any of them. And so it, it just seemed like all in all. Not great. Now he still had good numbers at the end with yardage and completions and things like that. But he I think always we all, does. Yep. We, we you just look at that and you say this offense really was not clicking at all for much of the game, especially all second half. Let's ask the question: Did uh, Kevin O'Connell get out coached yesterday? First, want to let you know we are coming to the Aquarius Home Services Studios. Thanks to Aquarius Home Services. 
Fall is here, and that means crisp, cool air. And turning on your furnace only to find out it's old, tired, and worn out. Scott for Aquarius Home Services with some good news. Now through October 14th, Aquarius is having a huge fall blowout sale with 25% off whole home heating and cooling systems. Yep, 25% off a new furnace and AC system. Visit AquariusHomeServices.com to schedule your free in-home consultation and enjoy a cozy, comfy home for years to come. Thanks also to longtime sponsor, TSR Injury Law, which also sponsors the John Krasinski Show here at TalkNorth.com. 612-TSR-TIME, 612-TSR-TIME. That's all you really need to remember. 612-TSR-TIME. If you are injured, they will help you. They will not charge you unless they win your case, and they win lots of cases. That's why they're a great Minnesota success story. 612-TSR-TIME. Also want to let you know that big banks aren't the only ones with mobile apps and convenient financial services. I'd like to tell you about Star Bank. Star Bank is a independent community bank in Minnesota. They're family owned and treat customer relationships as the top priority. You're not a customer number at Star Bank and they have no call center. It's banking how it should be a throwback to the good days. Mobile app check, convenient services. You got it. Check out Star Bank for yourself. For deposits and lending solutions, work with a local community bank that cares. Starbank.net, member FDIC and equal housing lender. So last year, the first game under this regime, I thought it was pretty evident that Kevin O'Connell outcoached Matt LaFleur on that in that one day. Uh, the, the Packers defense did not have any answers for what the Vikings were doing first half. The Vikings dominated the game. They got a lead. They held the lead. They frustrated Rodgers and the Packers throughout, and it set them up to win the division. Yesterday, I really felt like Todd Bowles had answers for Kevin O'Connell's offense. I felt like he won the coaching battle. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. Um, I do think that it was, if I had to put it more on one or the other, I'd say just like the the mental errors and the and the and the turnovers were probably a little bit more of a culprit because, like you said, they they should have had a heck of a lot more points than ten at halftime, just given how they were moving the ball up and down the field. Um, but certainly in the second half, there was no ability to, to sustain that offensive uh, rhythm and, and production. Uh, and, and so certainly Todd Bowles, whether he made some adjustments or whether the Buccaneers just sort of started to execute at a higher level, got the upper hand and kept it. And O'Connell was not able to find some sort of answer for what the Bucs were throwing at him defensively. Sometimes it felt like, and I felt this. I felt this sometimes last year too. It feels like there are there are moments in games where Kevin O'Connell almost goes too extravagant or too creative or tries to really flex the 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 playbook and show some really exotic you know plays and 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 make it look that way. When maybe this was a game where you just need to just calm down and just execute your bread and butter a little bit better and and so there were a few moments like that here and there throughout the game where I thought uh maybe trying to get a little too cute there but all in all I think it was more on just the overall execution by the players than the coach but still they were not sharp and part of that has to go on the head coach when when something like that happens all right let's spin this toward the big picture in week one the Vikings with a very disappointing loss in the game that they kind of needed to win to survive the early portion of the schedule. the Now they have to go to Philadelphia. They're facing 0-2 pretty quickly here, and then they come back and play a, a very 
talented Chargers team. Uh, the Packers had Jordan Love look fantastic. Now it's the Bears. I think the Bears are terrible, but Jordan Love looked great. He made beautiful throws. He managed the offense. He found open receivers. He looked very comfortable. And then the Lions won at Kansas City on Thursday night. Uh, this is probably not a great – the season's not over. we got a long way to go. The Vikings have a very soft stretch in the middle of the season where they can put together a winning streak if they're playing well. But uh, the division looks like it's going to be difficult this year. Yeah, it's. It, I think it is, uh, Jim, when you look at uh, you know what the Lions are doing, certainly if Jordan Love is able to sustain like he did in, in week one. And, and you and I spoke about this last week on the show – um, I thought that Jordan Love was the kind of the biggest X factor in this division. Uh, if he was a good quarterback, that roster on Green Bay is pretty talented from top to bottom and makes them really dangerous. And that's what it looked like in week one. Again, things can change quickly in a in a in a season. Um, you know, a lot of times when you look at when you only have one sample size to to one sample to go off of. It's it's hard to see how do the Vikings turn things around or what's going to stop the, the the Packers going forward. But this is going to be a dogfight of, of a division, I believe, the, for most of the season. And now everything, everyone who was looking at the Vikings um, and, and and their pathway to the division championship was counting week one as a victory. And so that means when you don't get that, you have to find a way to count one of the games that you were looking at maybe at the start of the season as a loss, like Philadelphia on Thursday or something else, uh, and, and steal one back to, to kind of even the tables. And you're already behind now because of the, the week one disappointment. Now you got to make it up somewhere else. And that's just not a – you don't want to be chasing wins you know, kind of this early in the season. And so it's not, not the ideal situation. Um, Detroit looks really good. Um, and, and, and green Bay looks really good. And so, uh, this is going to be a, a kind of down to the wire, I think type of a race, if the Vikings are able to stay in it either way. And then when you lose a game at home against the not very good team that didn't play very well, uh, that's a that's a bad way to get get things started. Now you have to figure out a way, whether it's Philadelphia, um, whether it's you know at Green Bay or you know some of these other uh, games you look at and say eh, that probably isn't going to be a win. You got to find a way, and and it's it stinks to be in that position, you know, one week into the season. So let's talk about Philadelphia. Uh, tough place to play. They got buried there last year. Uh, they got outclassed. Eagles looked like one. You know, coming into the season looked like one of the Two best teams in the NFC, one of the five or six best teams in the NFL. I picked them to win the Super Bowl. It looked like the 49ers had the more dominant uh, performance yesterday, but they also played a, probably a lesser team. Um, what are the Vikings' chances of pulling this out, and what do they have to do to pull it out? Yeah, I mean, um, I yeah, I think I think coming into the season, I thought Philadelphia was frankly, I thought they were head and shoulders above everyone else. Now, looking at the landscape after Week One, um, Philly looked solid in new england not great solid i think new england is is feisty um dallas looked fantastic um but um but i i think that you're going to go you're going into a game where you're going to face mismatches 
on both sides of the ball all over the place. And that's the problem for the Vikings is that Philadelphia is incredibly talented uh, offensively with Hertz, with AJ Brown, with, with Devonte Smith, with everything that they got going from a skill position standpoint and from an offensive line standpoint, they're the best offensive line in football. And then on defense, um, they got athletes all over the field as well. Jalen Carter looked really good in his rookie debut uh, yesterday. Um, they just have they have Georgia Bulldogs everywhere on defense, and and the Vikings don't have one Georgia Bulldog. It doesn't seem to to kind of be panning out right now, which is it's just bad news and a bad sign. So they're I think they they have to go in and 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 be so precise, especially offensively. They, there is absolutely no room for error against a team like this. You can't turn the ball over in the in the red zone. You when you get down there, you have to score touchdowns and take advantage and try and get up on them early, so that that defense has to respect both uh, facets of the offense, running game and passing game. Otherwise, in that building, we have seen it. We've been there. If a game gets away from you, it gets away from you quickly and there's no coming back from it. So um, they're going to have to just be so much more, so much crisper, so much more precise um, and execute at such a higher level on Thursday night than they did yesterday. And that's a tall task coming on a short week with maybe some banged up offensive linemen. And um, I'm not exactly uh, optimistic going into this one. And last note on last year's matchup, Justin Jefferson, 12 targets, six catches, 48 yards, and some visible frustration, especially as uh, Slay really blanketed him and some, some what seemed to be uh, Cousins and Jefferson, maybe for the only time last year, not always being exactly on the same page. There was a, there was a, a pass that Cousins threw that got intercepted where he obviously expected Jefferson to – to undercut the uh, defender, and instead uh, Jefferson faded away and allowed the interception to happen in, a, in what was a spectacular season for Cousins and Jefferson, especially Jefferson. That was one of the rare times where it seemed like a defense was able to get into their heads. Yeah, and, and that is like, that's a team that wants to play physical, um, that will push the envelope and force the officials to throw flags all of the time and bank on them not wanting to do that. And they really want to dictate the rules in the terms of engagement. And so um, they play with a nastiness, with a swagger, especially in that building. And if you don't meet force with force, uh, you're going to get bullied right out of the building. And we that's exactly what happened. And when that happens, I think that there is nothing more frustrating for an offense than... Um, when it feels like it's getting bullied and can't do anything about it. And so um, the the Vikings' ability to answer that sort of aggression with their own and maybe use that aggression against the Eagles is going to be key. They have to keep them off balance. They have to find ways to hit big plays when when the Eagles are kind of just swarming and going after everything and take advantage and, and use it to their advantage and um, and just be so much cleaner in their execution. And I just 
I don't know with this offensive line going into this game. Um, I don't know how you can expect that to happen. Agreed. Uh, this is be very interesting. We have two NFL shows here at TalkNorth.com. The Viking Update Show, which you're listening to, and Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider. Jeff's show will come out later this week and be more of a game preview. Uh, check out John Krasinski's show on the Timberwolves and the NBA, and Mike Grimm's Go Gopher podcast, Preps Today with John Millay, uh, and Chin Music with Roy Smalley and Lavelle Neal. It's a great show to listen to as the Twins head toward a division title. We do appreciate you listening. Again, best way to listen, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. Thanks again to Aquarius Home Services. TSR Injury Law, Star Bank, and our producer, Brandon Morton.